Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. At 40 Strategy, we provide strategic planning to help organizations realize and achieve their dreams. Sean, basically we help companies create strategic plans and measure the right KPIs for success. Unfortunately, most organizations only spend about 2% of their time on strategic planning, which is about the equivalent of about 40 hours per year building an effective strategy. And I don't know about you, Sean, but that's pretty crazy that it's about 2%. Yeah, no, that is that is super crazy. Uh, we definitely need to spend a lot of time planning if you want to, uh, you know, run a successful business. So I totally agree with you, Carl. Absolutely. And so at Forty Strategy, your success is our passion. That's why organizations call us to help. Not only do we come up with a strategy, but we help facilitate teams with proven practices. The Harvard Business Review has said that when you use the right KPIs, you can actually triple your success. And who wouldn't want that, Sean? So email us today, catch at 40strategies.com or go to our website at 40strategies.com. Before we talk about Sean McLean here, our guest, I'd like to have a little shout out, a big thank you to Brad Tripsch from CB, CBF Capital Partners. He's been an incredible supporter of 40 Strategy and on a referral basis and a great partner. So I just want to say thank you. And with that, that leads us to our guest here, Sean McLean. Sean is the founder and CEO for Absci, which was founded back in 2011. With a vision to transform traditional biomanufacturing, Sean has spent his career investigating and developing technologies that drive down drug costs, speed up drug development, and enable the manufacture of next generation biotherapeutics that would otherwise not make it to market. Sean's de developed Absci's patented protein printing technology, and under Sean's leadership, Absci has now grown to over 100 employees, raised over 100 million in capital, and established partnerships with industry-leading pharmaceutical companies for the development of biomanufacturing technology for life-saving drugs. He, Sean, is an alumnus of the University of Arizona, Go Cats, where he studied biochemistry and molecular biology. And Sean has been recognized as part of the 2019 Forbes 30 Under 30 cohort in science and named as Entrepreneur of the Year 2020 Pacific Northwest Region Award winner. Sean also serves on the board of the Oregon Bioscience Association, the Oregon Bioscience Incubator, Otrati, and if I got that right, and then Life Science Washington. All right, so Sean, it has been awesome. We, as we were talking about prepping about this beforehand, we have not seen each other a while in person. Um, great to see you again. Sean, Tell me, tell us the audience a little bit more about Absci and, and what do you do? Yeah, great. Thanks, Carl. And uh, just want to thank you for uh, having me on the, the show today. Uh, and yeah, would love to talk a little bit about Absci. So first off, I'll start off with synthetic biology. What is synthetic biology? Well, it is the merging between tech and biology. It's, it's this idea of being able to engineer living organisms just like uh, a software engineer would program software, they, instead of ones and zeros, it's ATCs and Gs that, that we're programming. And, and what Absci is focused in on is leveraging synthetic biology to produce proteins. Now, proteins are needed to 
are uh, are made in living organisms. It's not like a a pill in the bottle that that you produce uh, from from a chemist. Again, this is a it's a protein that has to be made from a living organism. And if we look at the 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 biotech industry, the the biotech industry was really founded by Genentech, and they were producing uh, the, their first biologic drug or protein based drug that got approved. Was was insulin? They're actually making it in E. coli, a, a non-pathogenic uh, version of E. coli, and the industry ended up shifting to these next-generation biologics, which are full-length uh, antibodies or monoclonal antibodies, which I'm sure you guys are all aware of now with with COVID and and learning about vaccines and in, in in the news. And they had to shift to more complex uh, organisms to produce it, mammalian cells. Um, but by making the the transition from E. coli to mammalian cells, uh, the, the overall costs went up and, and the development times went up. And the idea that I had back at the, the University of Arizona was to be able to engineer E. coli to be more mammalian-like in order to produce these, these complex uh, uh, therapies to really drive down costs and, and speed the time to market. And so I ended up like coming up with this crazy idea. I graduated a year early from the University of Arizona, moved back in with my parents, convinced my fiance at the time to move back in with, with my parents. And we, went, we ended up uh, renting this 200 square foot basement lab in, in downtown Portland. All of her paycheck was going in to, to pay the, the lab rent and lab supplies and uh, spent uh, 18 months showing that, that we could actually engineer uh, uh, this E. coli strain to, to produce these complex uh, uh, you know, proteins such as antibodies. And, and sure enough, we were able to do that. And, and since then, uh, we uh, have been on a mission to reimagine how uh, drugs uh, are, are, are created. And, and we, at Abside, we really question the paradigm of, of, uh, of what is, is, is possible. We believe in the impossible. People for 40 years never thought this was possible. And, and, and we're reimagining uh, how drugs are are created and and really what Absai has has evolved into is 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 essentially being able to unify for the first time ever drug discovery and and biomanufacturing where we can uh, enable these new next generation drugs to get to market that otherwise would not be possible and this is all done through our synthetic biology uh, uh, platform and so really the value proposition we bring to our partners is. One, the enabling of, of brand new therapies to get to patients, better molecules being designed that we currently don't have access to. Two, it's, it's being able to shorten the development time. You know, right now it takes years to go from idea to drug in the clinic. We're able to shorten that down to weeks. And then an added benefit is we're able to reduce cost of goods by you know, 50 to, to 75% compared to traditional means. And so um, our platform is truly revolutionizing uh, the biopharma industry. And, and at the end of the day, it's getting better drugs to patients at unprecedented speeds. And, and that's really what Abzai is all about and how we're uh, uh, leveraging our synthetic biology technology. So you threw out some massive things there. And of course, the number side of me peaked up, right? And so you talked about this ability to bring down the development or delivery of drugs from years down to weeks. Um, 
give give me like give like a kind of like a bona fide example of something that would like be an end product for a consumer ultimately, right? That they would end up taking and that you're helping to bring down, you know, to that level. Yeah. So let, let, let's just say that uh, there, there's a new um, uh, biomarker that's that's discovered that's linked to a certain cancer that that you have. Well, we can take that sequence of that of that biomarker, plug it into to our our platform, discover the drug for that, as well as be able to develop the 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 cell line or the technology then that that can actually manufacture that that drug. And we can do that all within weeks. So we now have just discovered this new novel therapy for that given cancer, for that given biomarker target, and developed a way to actually then manufacture it uh, all done within weeks. And so it's, it, it goes into the, you know, it goes from, from, from idea to, to drug in the, in the clinic within weeks instead of years. Wow. So does this get to, is it, is it, this micro where it could get down literally to an individual level where their specific cancer is being solved, or is it more for everyone who might have a specific type of cancer? Where, where is today and where is the future heading? Yeah, so, so right now, uh, we're not at the stage of, of, of personalized uh, uh, medicine. It's more if you know, the general population has this you know, particular biomarker, but in the future, technologies like Absi can really allow for this you know, personalized medicine to, to actually uh, come to fruition on how quickly we're able to discover these drugs. And not only are we discovering them, but we're discovering the absolute best molecule for that given uh, uh, target or, or disease state, and then being able to then uh, manufacture it very rapidly to, to get it into, into the clinic. And so I, I believe that this technology will allow uh, for uh, you know personalized medicine, uh, just like I talked about here. Wow, that um, and and the ability once again to get. So you're talking about where they're ultimately. So it, does this get to? Do we still need FDA testing for this part? So help me to understand. So this is just one element behind it, right? This is the manufacturing side where uh, might historically we've developed, we've we've identified something, but the manufacturing process might take two yeah. to three years, right? And, and FDA approval plus, we're saying literally it could take weeks to get to there, is that right? Yeah, so, so where we play is, is the discovering of, of the molecule and mm -hmm. then the actual uh, developing of the manufacturing technology to actually then make the drug that we discovered. And so that all happens uh, pre-FDA. So we deal with everything that's, uh, uh, that, that's leading up to, to uh, you know, going into the clinic. Like we, we can't change anything on the, the FDA side. But one of the things that's really amazing about the technology is that, again, we are making better protein-based drugs. And because we are making better drugs, the, we truly believe that the approval rates at the end of the day will, will go up. So right now it's about 4%. So going from wow. phase one all the way to approval, 4% of, of biologics actually get approved. And we believe with our technology, that approval uh, percentage is going to go up over time because, again, we are developing better molecules at unprecedented speeds, but we don't control the FDA um, process itself. Right, right. So I'm curious, you know, with, with obviously with COVID, 
there's been this acceleration, right, to get that out due to the urgency, right, to help to help deal with COVID and and try to create vaccines. But some incredible things have happened as a result, right? You know, things that that would have taken years to get to market, or who knows if it would ever came to market or come to It's not just the direct thing; it's the test around the different areas. Uh, this is just speculation. I'm, I'm just curious. Do you think that some of these things might play forward? Will there, will there be more fast track programs to for the benefit of society? Yeah, I think that COVID has opened up all of our eyes to how we can be doing things better, and I think that. Absi is definitely a part of that, but I also think like how we, you know, uh, operate, uh, you know, our, our clinical trials and, and, you know, the speed at, at which we get new drugs to the clinic. I think like all of that's being questioned right now and how can we do it better? And, and I think that's really exciting because again, that ultimately is, is helping patients and getting the medicines that are you know deeply needed there at at, a, at an expedited uh, time, and and I think also too what this is like really opened our eyes to is that like we have to be prepared for the next pan pandemic as as well because uh, it could be right around the corner, and if if we're not planning for it now, we're going to get hit hard just like we did with with COVID, and so I think we're as as an industry uh, really banding together to figure out how we can. Uh, use the learnings of COVID to, uh, again, make the, the industry uh, better and faster on a, on, a, on a whole. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I mean, I, I just love to hear about the mass improvements in, in the different areas and, and clearly um, investors has found this is a good thing for you as well. Um, you just recently had some success with raising some funding Tell tell us a little about. Obviously, we, we've been together a little bit longer, you and I personally, in terms of understanding what's going on. But just for our listeners, help give an understanding of of what's been happening for you and your organization, and 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 why are people so attracted to uh, invest and be a part of what you're doing? Yeah, I think what is really exciting about what we're doing is that again, it gets back to this whole idea about believing in the impossible and what we did on the on the biomanufacturing side and, and being able to engineer E. coli to produce a full-length antibody that hadn't been possible in 40 years uh, was, was a real light bulb moment, but we've continued to innovate. And we recently got into to drug discovery, uh, adapting the platform to be able to discover new drugs that otherwise would not be discovered without our platform. And we recently acquired uh, a deep learning company down in uh, San Diego called Denovium. And one of the aspects of our technology that allows us to move so quickly is that we can, we can screen billions of different cells with all the various different machinery that's necessary to make a protein and discover a protein and be able to let the cell tell us what the best conditions are. And we collect all that data and now what we're starting to do is mine that data in, in, in deep learning and, and where we're going. And I think this is really exciting is being able to leverage that data to be able to build the best billion member libraries for a given target. And eventually over time, the AI gets smarter and smarter. So instead of predicting a billion member library, it's a million, then a thousand. And it ultimately gets smart enough where you can give it a biomarker or a target 
and it will then design the best uh, molecule or drug for that given target and make sure that it's highly manufacturable and then also give you the cell line. And so you have now been able to go through uh, all of the different evolutionary paths that, that possibly exist or combinations of protein variants for that given target and find the best molecule and cell line that accompanies it. And, and again, you have now just discovered the absolute best drug for that given uh, you know, cancer or disease uh, uh, indication. And it's gonna be a complete paradigm shifting um, technology where we're fully in silico. Uh, and, and that's really where the company is, is headed and everyone's super excited about that. And, and think of it as the Google index search for uh, drug discovery and, and biomanufacturing. Uh, we, we are becoming the Google of uh, synthetic biology and, and it's just a, a really exciting time here. And, and we continue just to provide more and more value to our pharma partners uh, where again, we're helping them get the best drugs to the market at, at the fastest, in, in the fastest timelines. And, and again, that's all helping patients at the end of the day. That's right. That's right. That, that's so with this, right. We were talking about what's top of mind. Uh, you're obviously growing a lot right now. Um, how, how are you doing that? You know, what, how are you get, getting the infrastructure in place to scale and bring in the people that you need? You, you obviously are bringing the technology place right now. Now you need to catch up all the other people, right. To help build it and put it in place. What are your greatest challenges in dealing with that right now? It, it, it's all about talent. So we went uh, from 40 employees at the beginning of 2020 to 100 employees currently. And at the end of this year, we're going to be 225 employees and likely doubling the, the year after that. And so when you're growing at that pace, especially when you're not in a biotech hub, uh, talent becomes a concern. And we want we are going to change the world. We are changing the world. But in order to do that, we need great talent. Uh, people build great companies. And uh, if there's one thing that always keeps me up at night, it's, it's just making sure that we have the talent that's needed to, to scale and, and grow our, our company. I think that we are, are taking really great measures to make sure that we have the, the recruiting in place and uh, the the, the, the communications uh, on the, the PR side and, and really making sure that uh, we are becoming uh, uh, well-known uh, and we you know, have, have, have amazing benefits for our, for our employees and, it, and it's an amazing place to work and, and really just making sure that we create a place that people love to work, they, they wanna come here uh, and, and, and build an awesome company and, and, uh, and, and we're putting, yeah, all the structures in place to, to ensure that we, we get the talent, but it is, uh, it is definitely something that, uh, that keeps me up at, uh, up at night, but, uh, I know it's something that we'll be able to, to accomplish, uh, but it's definitely something that, uh, you, you have to keep, uh, at the, at the forefront of your mind at all times when you're scaling this kick, scaling this quickly. Absolutely. And, and boy, we could probably spend a whole another episode just talking about the people challenges and, and getting in your values and, and, and uh, the behaviors, right? At the end of the day, you know, you're growing at rates, you're talking about that is it's not uncommon for an Amazon division or a Google division or something like that, right? You know, it's, it's not, 
um, it's it's reasonable for companies to to grow thirty percent, you know, annually. But to get to that, when you're doubling, you know, and almost getting exponential, it's it's a whole different paradigm that you're dealing with. And um, so I, I'm excited for you and the team. You mentioned before, and we're going to details. But it sounds like you're building a great senior team to help also to help divide and conquer, so to speak, to build that talent pool around you. Because yeah, without the people, uh, it just doesn't take place. So this. Yeah. Um, Oh, go ahead, Sean. You're going to say something. What? Oh, no, I was just going to say too, like you, it, I, when you're scaling this quick, we all make mistakes and I have made a, a boatload of mistakes going through. And I think the one thing that I've realized through this fast growth and, and even being an entrepreneur over the, the last 10 years is, is really recognizing when you've, you've made mistakes and, and correcting it and, and letting the team know, Hey, look, you know, I, I screwed up here and, uh, but look at, this is what we learned. And you know what? That's okay. Like when we're trying to create something great here, we're, we're always going to have failures and that's okay, but it's, it's not okay to, to not recognize those. And, and I, I've, I've learned to, to recognize the, the failures that I've had publicly and really let people know that it, that it's, that it's okay. And that, we learned something from it and that's, and that's really good. And, and I think keeping that in perspective as, as well, when you're scaling, I think it's super important. So, um, you, you, you've talked about this, this, uh, how are you keeping on a personal level, this energy you're talking about, you're not sleeping at night, right? It's keeping you awake. Um, and I don't, I gotta imagine it is, uh, with, with what's happening. What do you do on a personal level to help keep, make sure that you are staying top of game, right? So you can keep on delivering uh, on, a, on a day-to-day basis and, and get to ultimately a, uh, you know, 500 person company in a few years, you know, t- tell me what that, that looks like. I mean, yeah. you're, per- you're on your personal side. Yeah, no. So it, it, it's all about keeping the, the mind in the, the, the right condition. And, and that means both mentally and physically. And I work out almost every single day and working out really helps reduce uh, stress. It helps keep my mind sharp. And uh, I, I do try to do some meditation when, when I go to bed, if I don't you know, put down my book or, or my phone and, and meditate for uh, you know, a good 15 minutes before I go to bed, it's, uh, I, I definitely uh, have sleepless nights, but I really do try to, to make a, a really strong effort of, of, of working out and, and at least doing some sort of of, of meditation. And, and one of the things that I am guilty of, and I tell my team to do it is, is take time off. I would say that's like the one thing that, uh, as, as a CEO, I, 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 I fail out is not taking enough time off. I think taking the mental breaks and, and letting yourself kind of decompress, I think is, is super important. I tell that to my team. I don't do it as much as I should, but I know it's another really important aspect, uh, to, again, to keep your your mind sharp. I think that's uh, great, great advice right there, Sean. The um, I just had recently myself. I had taken a few. I had my birthday, and I had a little um, trip to go on to, and I actually had five days of no email, and literally I didn't look at it for for one time, and it was it was really weird when I came off of it, right? Because you get addicted, right? To, for me, I, I, I'm a zero inbox guy. So like at the end of each day, I typically have zero, you know, I clear it all out. And so to have this like buildup, but it was, 
during that five days, I was truly able to relax. And um, yeah, so I, but I, it, it's easier said, you know, than, than doing you know, to get to there, especially when you have so many people in your mind and you have investors, you know, and you have different elements behind it. But um, yeah, when you hit that next big milestone, whatever it is, um, take, take a little time off, Sean. I agree, I agree with that. <laughs> but keep the working out. But I think that's huge how you had the workout, you had the meditation. That's what's keeping it. Now, it's funny, um, what listeners may not know, especially, um, you know, when we were working together, um, I had to come to your house one time. We used to go to your office. And, and one time I come to your house and you're like, Carl, I can't, I can't move. Um, and so we're going to have to have this meeting to talk about strategy here. And, and so I literally go to your house and you've got this big brace in your neck. T tell the audience what happened. And um, I think it's remarkable. Uh, tell me what happened, because once again, I'm glad we're able to even have this discussion because we're pretty darn serious. Yeah. No, I was in a, a, a very serious uh, uh, biking accident. I was, uh, I was in Denmark on a business trip and uh, a couple of uh, my colleagues and I were were riding bikes around Denmark, looking at the city before the conference had started. And I ended up uh, losing uh, balance on on my bike and fell straight over my my handlebars, hit the top of my head. I I, I heard it uh, heard heard it snap. I my whole body went uh, uh, numb and. I, I was taken to, to the hospital and I ended up uh, breaking my T1 and T2 vertebrae. And it was one of the most like, crazy experiences of, of my life. I, I had the, the neurosurgeon come in and he basically was like, 99% of the time when I see this, it, you're, you're paralyzed from the neck down. And he's like, you, you just missed going into your spinal cord. And, and, and if you would have, you would have been paralyzed. And he's like, for, for whatever reason too, your, uh, the, the good news out of this as well is that, uh, your ligaments were strong enough to actually hold everything in place. And so you actually didn't need surgery, but he's like, the bad news is it's going to be one of the most painful recoveries that you, you could ever experience. And, uh, I, I ended up, uh, flying home from, from Denmark, uh, a, a week later. And, and the, the crazy part about the, the, the whole accident was like, first off, they said it was going to take about a, a, a year to fully recover. I think I got fully recovered in, in about, uh, six, six months really was diligent on, on my PT. But one of the, the, the things that was great about all of this was when I talked about taking time off, this really forced me to take time off. And I was at a critical place in, in my life as to what I wanted to do with, with Absai. And, and it allowed me to really step back and be like, what, what do I want in my own career? What do I want to, you know, what, what type of CEO do I want to be? Do I even want to continue this? Uh, do, do I want to sell abside? Do I want to continue to grow abside? Like what, what do I want to do? And it, and it just really made me realize that abside is doing something extraordinary here. And I want to see abside literally change the world rum protein at a time. And you don't get many opportunities like that. And it made me realize that I needed to 
push all the chips all in on, on Absi. And this is like, this was my calling and what I wanted to do, but I, you know, it sounds weird, but I wouldn't have, I don't think come to that conclusion if I hadn't had a, an experience that changes your life in, in, in a way that is really hard to explain and, and makes you think that, wow, like I'm so grateful for the life that I live and I need to really do what I'm passionate about and, and do what I know what I'm you know supposed to do. And it kind of just allowed me to have it all kind of come together. And, and so I think it was a very scary, but, but yet life-changing experience for me. And it, it definitely changed me for, for, for the better. Sean, I, I uh, once again, just because we were working together, I was a little privy to some stuff, which I won't discuss openly in the stuff, but you rejected some big opportunities uh, in that period of time. And uh, it is interesting for you to reflect and go that moment of pause in your life allowed you to stop and to think and go, what is, what is this about? Right. And, and what a great, what type of difference should I be making in the world? And it's fascinating how that literally a life and death thing. I mean, I remember it was being there with you. You were in a tremendous amount of pain. You couldn't barely move, yeah. um, but you were still moving forward. I mean, you didn't stop working um, yeah. during that period of time. And I, I just, I, anyways, I commend you. I, I, I don't want to even make a comparison because I didn't get close to breaking my neck, but I lost my appendix uh, and I was in the hospital in September um, and for three, you know, it took me three months to get back, which is a lot less than me. But, but, you know, if I would have, um, it was a pretty bad burst. And it, but it's, it, same thing happened to me. It's interesting you talk about it. I made some life-changing decisions and have still contained and uh, continued them. And I don't think I would have went there if I didn't have that moment and that reflection and that pause, even though as painful and awful and miserable as it was, it, um, and it's, it, for me, it's kind of the same thing. It's just like, this, my tenure, my big heritage's goals, it's like, it's all the more cemented more than ever now. And if I was just going along my normal stuff, I might've not taken the easy path, but taken a different path, you know? And, and it sounds like, once again, you, that's what you just described. And, and I just, I'm curious, you know, would you, did you ever think when you had accelerated finishing school and you're working at your parents' house that, and breaking your neck, you know, did, did, did you ever dream you'd be at where you're at today and, and, and about the, the cliff that you're about to climb? I mean, did you ever envision that back then? You know, it's funny. On one hand, I, I did. On another, I, I didn't. I would say, like, back then, I would have thought that I would have uh, been where I'm at a lot sooner. <laughs> but it always takes way longer than you ever imagined. But you know, I always knew that there was something special here, but I didn't, I didn't quite realize the extent of like what this could become. Uh, I think it was just like, I, I just kept pushing forward and pushing the bounds and, and, and we're going to continue to push the bounds. And I'm sure that like, I'm going to surprise my myself and and everyone else around us when you know in 10 years from now we're we're doing something you know so much bigger than what we're doing today and i think it's just i think it's just a testament to like the the team and like what we're doing we we continue to push the bounds of what is possible and 
to me, like we're, we're like the rebels and, and like we're, 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 we're defining the, the future of, of synthetic biology and, and pushing new technologies forward that are going to change the, the, the world. And, and so, yes, I am, uh, it's not exactly where I envisioned it, but like I always knew something, it was, there was something special here and, and, uh, I'm just blessed to see it to, to, to where it's, it, it's really become, I mean, the team that we, we have now has really taken, you know, those initial ideas that, that I had and, and turned them into something so much bigger. And it's just, it's fun to be a part of something that is just so much bigger than, than yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. This is, this has been fantastic interview, Sean. So I got to ask my, my, one of my last questions here. So books, you, you know, I'm a bit, a bit of a book geek. I know you like to listen to books. What are some top books um, that you would recommend for our audience? Yeah. Uh, the one that I'm uh, just finishing up now is no rules rules by Reed Hastings. And it's about the, the culture of Netflix and how they have pushed the the limits of how a, a business can, can operate. That's very different than our, you know, what we think of as a, as a, as a successful culture. And I think it really allows you to push your, your own uh, I, I ideas and, and figure out how we can be doing stuff differently to, to stay innovative and, and to build great companies, which I, I just, I, I, uh, I have a ton of respect for, for Reed Hastings and, and what he's built. And that, that book is, is awesome. I recommend it for any entrepreneur, uh, uh, rapidly growing a company to, to read that. And then the, the, the second book, uh, that, that I, that I really love, uh, it, it's actually more of a negotiation book, but it's, uh, never, never split the difference, uh, is, is another one. Uh, and, and then the third one. Uh, the hard things about hard things, and that's the book that you you had recommended to me, Carl. I I love that book. It is, uh, yeah, it, it 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 resonates on so many different levels. So those would be my my three top three books at the current moment. Yeah, that's uh, great books. I myself have read the No Rules Rules. I that is on my my to do reading. Never split the difference. Uh, that's excellent. It actually, it's because it's, it is, it's more than just a negotiating book. It, it's, yeah. it's more than that. I agree. And the hard thing about hard things. Yeah. That's, that is definitely one of my top 10 books yeah. of, of, especially for CEOs, because that's why I love to interview people on topics is it's, it's different for those who are on top, you know, and you have to make really challenging and difficult decisions. And I, I think his reflection of what he went through, uh, I think it helped you see some things that you're just like, yes, I know I need to make it despite how difficult, you know, these things are. And so, um, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Those are great, great suggestions. Uh, and then, uh, interestingly, uh, additional is powerful by, um, uh, Patty McCord who worked for Reed Hastings, um, really is a great book. I think also to read alongside it, uh, no rules, rules, especially if you're thinking about how to build out your team and your culture. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's excellent. So, with that, Sean, it's been, this has been amazing. We've been here talking with Sean McLean uh, from Absci. Where can people learn more about you and your organization? Yeah, you can visit us uh, on, on our website and, uh, and LinkedIn page. Awesome. Awesome. So, all right, Sean, thank you so much. Thank you to listen to the Measure Success podcast. 
Wishing you the very best at measuring your success. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes. Thank you.